1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I wrote my first million-dollar check, I had to just do a big M and then just scribble the rest because I didn't know how to spell million.
0: That is Barry Dubois, and this is episode 207 of the Osher podcast. And welcome to the Osha Podcast. I'm Osha This is episode 207 of the show featuring Barry Dubois. You can find him on Instagram at B-A-Z underscore D-U-B-O-I-S. More about Barry in a moment. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, if you're new, g'day. I'm Osha. This is my podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm probably wrangling roses on your television or filming the wrangling of roses somewhere in a secret location to be displayed later uh, here in Australia. Either way, this is my podcast and I'm glad you're here. Uh, This is where I talk to interesting people who do interesting things and have interesting conversations about their interesting lives. Through those conversations, I try to learn a bit more about how exactly they did what they do so well and more to the point, how do they manage themselves when things don't Go to plan. Um, I hope you're doing okay this week, whatever it is that you're doing. There's a lot of intensity in the world at the moment, so I'm just trying to, I guess, focus on the things that I can control. I know I do talk about this a lot, but, again, it, you know, if I'm ever feeling wobbly, it always comes down to watching what I eat, trying to sleep at least eight hours, trying, getting some physical activity in every day, even if it's just a walk. That does the trick. And um, I, guess, I guess this week the one thing I'm going to try and do is, is ask someone every day how they're going and then just shut up and listen and really hear what they're saying. I'm I'm really going to try and do that this week. And hopefully that last part will kind of help me get out of my own head a bit, get me out of my own selfish shit, help me maybe see how I can be of service to that person, maybe help me feel a little more in control, bring a bit of power back within myself to, to change the world a little bit better for that person, you know. Maybe. Well, anyway, that's what I'm going to try. try and do that this week. Um, a big thank you to everybody that got in touch. Uh, you can always email me, email at gmail.com. That's my email address. I do write back to everybody. Um, a big thanks to all the great Podsy photos. What's a Podsy? It's a picture of what you're looking at right now as you listen to this. So whip out your phone, whatever is is you're listening to this on, take a photo, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, got some cracking ones this week, particularly Isabel. Uh, from the Gogglebox team. Uh, when you watch Gogglebox, it's a show about people watching television. I know it's weird, but it's, it's great. I really love it. It's one of my favourite shows on telly. Isabel is part of a family where it's uh, her mum and her grandmother and they all sit together on a, one small couch in one single chair. And uh, Isabel sent one as they were getting ready to watch some films from Gogglebox, which, which was great. And um, it's interesting that she did that this week because she actually plays a role in today's show. So let me tell you about my guest today. Barry Dubois is an interior designer, um, a carpenter, a builder, a developer, a philanthropist, and a TV renovation guru from Sydney, Australia. He's probably best known to Australian audiences as the man who remakes people's homes on the lifestyle show The Living Room, which is on uh, Network 10 on Friday nights. Two weeks before Barry and I sat down for this conversation that you'll hear today, Barry announced to Australia quite publicly that the cancer that he'd beaten a few years ago was back and quite aggressively so. Barry was kind enough to come around to our small apartment in Bronte in Sydney to share his story. Barry is an incredibly inspirational man. You'll hear his positive vibe coming through your speakers, your headphones, whatever it is. And if you're like me, you'll do your best to soak up the wisdom of this incredibly successful man. He's independently wealthy. He retired at 45. He's a loving husband and father. He's dedicated to helping others. He's utterly determined to beat the challenges of his illness. He's such an inspirational man, and he left my house and I was floating on air. You can find Barry on Instagram. He's at... B-A-Z underscore D-U-B-O-I-S, Baz Dubois, with an underscore. He's very active there, and he engages with people all the time. So if you do jump on his Instagram, let him know that you're there and let him know that you heard him here. So enjoy this conversation with the wonderfully inspirational Barry Dubois. Thanks for coming, Baz. Cheers, thank you. Mm. It's a lovely day, another beautiful day in uh, in Bronte. It's
1: an amazing day. It's an amazing day in the world, and be a better day tomorrow. That's what I say.
0: <laughs> now, before we, well, there's a bit of nitty gritty to talk about later on, but. As you walked in, we were talking about schools. I didn't know that you were involved in a not-for-profit around education.
1: Uh, I'm involved in a few not-for-profits. So I think it's one of the gifts uh, we get with celebrities. We have a platform to, um, to, to share information that we have. And uh, I'm very passionate about the built environment. Uh, design is my real passion. Uh, I, I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney and uh, left school uh, not being able to read and write. School um, – well, the system we know sort of failed me a little bit. I was incredibly dyslexic. And uh uh so I, I I muddled through school, but uh but I hated it and I got nothing from it. And and the things that I was good at no one at school was interested in. I mean I was a great athlete and they were interested in that, but that was only the Athletics Carnival day. I was very popular that day. But uh so uh being a mature dad, I had my beautiful children at fifty-two years old, and um, when you're, a, when you're an older dad, um, you don't have the worries of a, of a younger man. I'm not worried about a mortgage. I'm not worried about my career. I'm not worried about much. But, so everything is about the future of my children. So being at school had failed me, and, and I'm not being critical at school, but that's just how it was, uh, and when I say fail, uh, failed me, uh, I, I always quote. Uh, I always say um, when I when I wrote my first million dollar check, um, or actually uh, when I filled in the deposit form for my first million dollar uh, check, I had to just do a big M and then just scribble the rest because I didn't know how to spell million. Uh, and uh, I'd done the same with the with the name thousands for years as well, just T. And then just a, a squig on. People knew uh, I was good with numbers, so I could I could work it that way. So anyway, back to the school. Um, I. Uh First of all, it was, it was actually the living room, uh, TV. I saw this uh, great platform. I'm very passionate about sustainability. So I decided I'd put it, and I was a very successful developer. I, I'm very good at that. So I said um, to a couple of mates that are all equally passionate about sustainability, a couple of architect mates and a couple of developer mates, and, and some just um, wealthy business mates of mine are also passionate about the environment. How about we put a, a mini competition together where I'll buy six blocks of land around the country and, uh, and then what we'll do is, is um, partner corporations with um, teams, okay, and the blocks of land were going to be minimum 10 kilometres from the centre of the uh, CBD and then that home had to be 100% off the grid. And then it had to be uh, presentable to a market. So you had to profit from your venture as well. And then that idea developed and developed and we came up with another concept is what we'd create as a website. So if you are sure were part of this, uh, one of the teams and you came up with a miraculous idea for your home, you automatically have to share it with all the other teams. And the idea is I'm, I love collaboration. So we would just keep improving and improving and improving, and then we'd be able to show a couple of things. Sustainability is beautiful, but it's also profitable. One day, I was in the offices of Thompson Adset, and uh, we've got a long way into this idea of a competition. And um, I literally sort of sat there in a—it's a beautiful boardroom in the city. And I'm surrounded by like-minded people, but that these are great designers, great innovators in the in the world of the built environment. And I sort of just had a light bulb moment, and uh, and because I felt so lucky to be in that space, a gorgeous architectural space, surrounded by lateral thinking, free thinking brains. I thought, how did I get here? This is unreal. Guy from Liverpool can't read and write, and he's sitting in this space and and directing traffic. I just thought it was fantastic. But I, I had a light bulb moment right there, and that was uh, so. I said, guys, we're. Um, I think we're preaching to the converted here. If we're really going to make a change, I think we have to forget about this generation because the people that are going to be interested in what we're saying are already interested. And uh, and I said to to a couple of people, okay, I know this because I'm so interested in my children, Uh, the age between five and ten are some of the most influential years of a human's life. And I asked them, being that we're all incredibly passionate about the built environment, what part of the built environment uh, inspired you the most? Because you're the top brains in the world on on this subject, so what part of that inspired you at age sort of six to ten? It was really, really interesting. Some guy said uh, grandma's fireplace, others said the playground at school, Uh, some said the kitchen. And backyard, things like that. And uh, I said, isn't it funny? We spent most of our time in that period in a classroom, yet no one has said the classroom. And I said, if we can inspire a generation of children with the built environment at that time that sets up the rest of their life, I think we'll make real change. We won't make it tomorrow, but in 20 years, this space, this room, these humans are going to look different and think differently. And I said, because I'm sitting here thinking about the first part of it and that is simply this we burn coal all day to run a light in a classroom that's only on in the daytime what are we i mean it doesn't get much more basic than that. I said, I think we can really do some amazing uh, things to the learning space around sustainability. So the meeting ended and and off I went. And uh, I started to think about it and I thought, okay, as a designer, you have to have a brief. Uh, What is the brief for the learning space? And I contacted uh, the education department. I I went to the Archdiocese of Education. I went to a few contacts that I have and, and basically asked the brief for a classroom. And pretty basically, it was square metres in cost. That was all that mattered. And, uh, and then I started to put some data together, and I love numbers. And I found out that 25% of the classrooms in our education system, both public and private, are demountable classrooms. So then I could say, okay, well, the smaller this problem is, the easier it's going to be to achieved. So I thought, I'm going to focus on demountables. They're supposedly you know, movable classrooms and I'm very passionate about modular building as well. So it goes on and on and on. Osh, and, uh, but, but what I've done now is set up a non-for-profit organisation. I've got an incredible board and, and incredible support. And what we're looking to do, first and foremost, is draw down the, what I'm describing as the DNA that's required to come up with the pillars or the perfect brief for a classroom. And you might say, well, you know, what is that, the colour, the texture of these things? But it's not. Um, We're talking to Headspace Australia around the psychology of a space. We're talking to Curtin University around the sustainability of a space. Uh, We're talking to different religious groups about uh, uh, bringing religions together and finding common common sort of things for that. So what I want to first of all do is come up with all the things required to, to create a brief for the ultimate learning space. You know, I found out some interesting stuff from the education department. And one of those things is that uh, 30 years ago, they discovered if, a, if a, a boy leaves the classroom, walks across the quadrangle, goes to the toilet and comes back, uh, 95% of those boys won't retain anything from the day's class. And that is simply because a boy's uh, brain works a lot better in the open space. And the endorphins, the ex- excitement he gets from that journey will probably out- outweigh any boring stuff he learns the rest of the day. There's all interesting little facts like that. And, and one of my favourites I'll share with you, I, I got to speak at Parliament House on this topic and I, it was a loaded question. And uh, and I said, uh, because I knew the answer, does anybody know the ideal uh, temperature of a swimming pool to train in to set a 1,500-metre rec- uh, uh, world record. Few people put up their hands, and I knew they would because this was something I got from the, from the government website and, because we spent $15 million to find that out at the Institute of Sport. <laughs> and uh, I found that astounding. Uh, and I said, because I was in a room full of bureaucrats around the education department and, and politicians and, quite frankly, education minister, and I said... Um, you know, we're here talking about education and those precious brains, those perfect little children are going to be the future of our humanity. I said, does anybody know the ideal learning temperature? And not one person in the room knew. And I think simple little things like mm. that really add to a beautiful environment. And, and if you think about the fact that you have to go to a to – a, sort of public toilet sort of scenario to go to the bathroom what about and and what would you and i be like if we went to a classroom whereas you went to the bathroom within that space and then the waste from your from your body was used and broken down and used as a nutrient to fertilize a say let's say a vertical garden that act as a as a a cooling system but also offer beautiful um oxygen to the space i mean what would the things that you and me think about 20 years later look like if that's where we started? Uh, I find in design and uh, is that all we're doing is, uh, is layering up something that doesn't really work. So I want to wipe out this scenario Mate, and start on that. I'm all, I'm all about it. So, yeah.
0: so two things. Um, I sh- I'll, when we're done, I'll, I'll uh, hip you to this. Uh, I went to a business school in Amsterdam that did a lot of research around uh it was uh, ideal, you know it was for adult students but they did a lot of research around space yeah. for the adult students incredible and it was unlike any room i'd ever been in mm. but mm. they you know where they thought about everything, colour, temperature, everything. So yeah. speaking of which, those two numbers. If I'm going to win a gold medal,
1: what's the temperature of the pool I need? I think it's 27. I, uh, that that sort of information. That's ideal. In and, out, and if end. I'm going to learn anything, what temperature? 22 degrees. 22. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. I grew up in Brisbane, man. Yeah, you <laughs> did. And and you know, <laughs> 36. It, 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 and there was 36 kids yeah, in the classroom. That's right. Well, oh, I'll, I'll tell you one more thing because it really infuriates me. But three degrees off that temperature, you start to dramatically lose. Uh, is it called cognitive behaviour? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's yeah. very hard for a little one to concentrate in that How space. How old were you
0: when you realised that you couldn't grasp things as well as other kids?
1: But it's interesting. This is a hindsight question, and I guess only as an adult you're answering it because as a kid you, you don't remember. But I, I well, became very good at other things. You know, I could bluff my way through anything. Right. And, and I'm very, very lucky to have an incredible mum and dad who had incredible belief in in us and their family and gave me an incredible sense of self-belief. So if you asked me, could I do something, I would say yes. And then I I would do all the things I could do and sort of, you know, fuzz up the pieces in between and spelling was just one of those things. But back in that day as we were talking, you know, the, the education system was set up to to teach hierarchical management and subservient behaviour. It wasn't really set up to, yeah, teach you to read and write so you do things better at work. But the idea was you, you learn to do something whether you believe it's right or not. Yeah. And that works best for corporate Australia, corporate uh, universe with all the slaves that that work for those people. Oh, good, good word. Yeah. Uh,
0: so when I mean, I know my I have family uh dyslexic. Um, uh, one of my family members, but who, who has since gone on to fluently speak another language. Yeah, and you know has two degrees and works incredible. Way up in the corporate world, but uh, had to relearn. Uh, different ways of, uh, of learning things. And, and now, like I just had someone uh, here the other day talk to me about their HSC. They had a reader for their HSC. Mm. So they had someone who was able to read the question to them and then they could speak the question back and that yep. person would write it out for them, yep. which is miles, I'm guessing, from what you had.
1: Well, I, if I read a book, I've only read two, two things in my whole life, two books in my whole life, Amanda Keller's book and that uh, Bob Barrett book, which I love. <laughs> uh, but If I, my problem is this, I'll start reading and I'll be really interested in the first paragraph, but by the time I get to the sort of last sentence or paragraph of that page, I have no clue what happened in the first paragraph. Now, uh, a couple of times I'll read it and and I I just have to keep going back. Mm. What was that all about again? But you're right, if this conversation, I'll probably remember every word of it. (laughs) Seriously. So when you, you
0: say your parents were quite supportive, what, what was your path after high school? Were they like, oh, Barry, I don't know if university is for you or this uh, is where you
1: are going to go? Uh, Western suburbs of Sydney, working class, you know, blue collar family. I was going to be uh, whatever my uncle's or my dad was. So I had the choice. I was going to be a mechanic with one uncle or I was going to be a carpenter with the other. I chose the carpenter and uh, that's the way I went. And I reflect on that because... With the attitude I have, the self-belief I have, whatever I did, I was going to be good at. I mean, sadly, I wasn't, didn't choose a brain searching because I would have been good at that as well, you know. And that's what I want to set up the world for in the future. Like I said, I'm not changing the curriculum here, but the built environment has an incredible influence on how you learn. I'm very lucky to uh, sit on a few boards of a few charities and involved, um, particularly with charities around depression. But I sat in, in a really interesting conference at Black Dog. And uh, I can't remember his name, but the professor there who ran Black Dog when they were going to build the new centre at uh, Ranwick, uh, a bunch of people wanted to have a design competition. He said, Oh, let's not waste time on this stuff. We've got the money, let's just build the thing, you know. And, and he, this is his words and uh he got he you know he was convinced that we'd have a they'd have a design competition and come up with this space at mensa because the built environment as to him didn't mean a lot but he talks uh, really passionately now how he sees people interacting with that space and they can communicate better within that space in certain areas insert light and in certain uh where there's certain texture around them and and, and for for people with bipolar and that sort of thing, the built environment is an incredible influence.
0: When did you first start becoming fascinated in? you know, the design of things.
1: Yeah, well, my, dad's, my dad has two philosophies and uh, the first one, um, everything you do, you can do two, uh, 10% better. And he's never made a, well, what And my philosophy now is I've never made a mistake in my life. It's just a shitload of things I'm not going to do again. <laughs> and that is that is lateral <laughs> thinking and that's that's progressing design. So if I look at this beautiful table. Yeah, um, you clocked
0: it straight away. You're like, is that a Parker? Yeah, <laughs> like, beautiful.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder how... I wonder my challenge would be how can I make this a little bit better? And better isn't necessarily uh, aesthetics. It's, you know, the, the touch, the feel, the interaction with the space, all things. So I love, I'm very passionate and love design.
0: Right. Mm. It's interesting when you said, when you, I talked earlier about the first, uh, you know, the most inspiring space that you were in when you were a kid. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been there and they were threatening to turn it into a car park uh, only a few months ago. But the festival centre in Adelaide. Wow! Uh, out behind it, there's this kind of open square with some uh, built artwork. It's all very geometric mm. and fascinating. I remember being five, just like seeing all these, um, like kind of uh, they're almost uh, rectangular columns, but on an angle, mm. so tilted over to one side, and and this whole field of kind of gravity. Skewing to one moment, and then the yeah. building behind it is at the same angle. If you
1: stand at a certain space, that was four. Yeah, you know, but it's just like
0: wow. wow. <laughs>
1: but it gave you food for thought. Yeah, man. And, and and then when you were on another project, that was high in your yeah. brain. So you, but you know, there. you
0: see it. I don't know you've been there. You know, you can only imagine if you were a, if like we described. We were talking earlier before we turned the mics on. If you were a peasant, you know, coming into town to go to school to work at the, yeah. you know. Um, the, the factory, go back 50 years. If you were a peasant going in a town to stand in the cathedral, and some of those European cathedrals, they've been there, they were the only building of that size mm, mm. in uh, 200 kilometres. Fuck yeah, you believe in whatever the guy's telling you because yeah. you're like, how else could this massive? I live in a mud hut.
1: <laughs> how can this thing exist? One of my favourite spaces in the world is the Louvre in, in Paris and, uh, and you walk around that and I say this, this was the, the foxtel of that era because they, the Medici family and the different families would pay people like Michelangelo to paint history. Maybe not the accurate history, but history in itself. And one of my favourites is that painting where uh, Napoleon, uh, is, 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 there's 40,000 Russians being slaughtered behind him. And France got a really bad call for that. They starved them out through winter and then massacred 40,000 people. And Whilst it was a great victory for Napoleon, it wasn't seen by the rest of the world as a good thing. So what they did was have this, I don't know if you've seen it, in the Louvre, it's a giant uh, painting, probably six metres by four metres, wow. uh, and it's Napoleon on a horse. And the story depicts two Russian men saying, thank you, Napoleon, Napoleon for saving us. So that then, was, then that was displayed in public by the aristocrats and the, the peasants were allowed to see this moment in history. But it wasn't real history; it was fake news, <laughs> and uh, and and that's what we're doing now, isn't it?
0: That's fascinating that, that you say that. But that, when you talk about that space, I mean, if you if you've ever been there, or you know, certainly put it on your list. It's setting oh. an, an incredible, uh, incredibly well designed and extraordinary space, and and has had that contemporary that that pyramid in the middle of yeah, it, yeah, kind of. Put, I can only imagine the meetings that went into We, we want to put a glass dome. Down. You want to what?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, it's a great depiction of history. I love decoding history through architecture. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's one of my, another one of my passions.
0: So when you're, you know, when you're wandering around, you know, you've been to various parts of the world. What yes. do you find the most fascinating uh, part of the world
1: then? Well, I'm a sailor, as you know. I, I retired when I was uh, 45 and, uh, and I have a beautiful yacht in the Mediterranean, Bellissoni. And, uh, my wife and I used to, well, I would spend at least six months of the year on that and then six months here back in Bondi. And my wife, Leonie, would spend maybe two to three months on the boat because at that time we were still going for our, going through our quest for children and, and the journey of that and this is obviously after Leonie had lost the ability to have children naturally. Uh, so she was really focused on, at that time we're looking at adoption and, and, and it goes on and on, that's another story. But a very close friend of mine, Peter Cahoon, is the architect on Better Homes and Gardens, uh, our opposing show, he would come to the boat and he's being an architect and a lateral thinker, a lateral thinkers are great people to travel with. We would sail to remote places like Tunis and and Malta and Pantelleria, places that are sort of off the map a little bit. And uh, and Pete came up with an idea for a TV show, which was uh, sailing into these amazing sea gateways and then decoding the history of that city through the sea gateway. And I find the sea gateway or the entrance to ancient cities is really fascinating. You and me now land in... Um, Athens, uh, Tunis, uh, Rome—at at, at sort at the back of the city, in an airport, in an airport, exactly Th- through a
0: space that looks almost identical to the space you just left, just
1: left, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, whereas I love the, I love the. The history you see when you go through a sea gateway such as Palermo or Syracusa and um, you can see fortification was the most important thing and then the understanding that fresh water could create civilization and then, you know, the, the central piazza. I love just the urban... Nature and how that was developed.
0: That's a, uh, and then the way you speak about that, you're absolutely right. It really does. Uh, and having spent a bit of time in the Middle East myself, mm. you see some of these ancient, ancient ports mm. um, up in, like, say, for example, in Caesarea in uh, in Israel and, and Incredible. Ar- Ar- Acre, which is like an old um, Crusader port. Yeah. You know, the walls are still there. Yeah. 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 And, and I love the That's fact. construction, man. It, it is on. construction.
1: <laughs> well, Malta is a fantastic one. Malta, uh, the harbour of Valletta. I mean, it's got the great mountains. It's an incredible harbour with mountains. So you've got half the work done. So then you just build fortification into the mountains. And then in those days with tides and winds, they would sort of ship your your prey, if you like, in. And you would either be their friend and they would get your, your wealth and knowledge and develop this, their, their city out of that. Or you'd be the enemy, and you're sort of trapped, and uh, you have no choice. And that's why there was such wild development in spaces, you know. And,
0: uh- yeah, that the the, the, uh, the way that the, the everything worked together yeah. to develop a culture, as you mentioned. You yeah, know, and that that's a fascinating thing about. Uh, certainly, the Mediterranean is how oh, we like these parts of your culture. We'll take that. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. we're not into that. No, no, no but it know, wasn't
1: I like, like it. we weren't into it. Uh, yes, uh, Syracusa and Archimedes is a classic example. I mean, the guy landed there, and uh, and he loved something, and he, he he created aqueducts there for the first aqueducts there, and this developed. They had, they had hygiene. They had fresh water. Yeah, yeah. You know, Syracuse in in Sicily just developed way above everybody else at that time and it wasn't for it wasn't like now whereas you know you want the, the latest uh, outfit and fashion No, this was about improving improving mm. society and uh and that's where democracy came from as well it's something yeah. else we don't know much about these yeah, days. yeah
0: yeah i went to uh i once took a friend of mine to masada the the mountaintop fortification built by king herod <laughs> yeah. uh on in israel in the negev desert and a um, a mate of mine who actually, he was one of the project leads on the Sydney Olympic Stadium and the both convention centres. He built mm. the first one, then pulled it down, They built the second one. And he said, he goes, look at that. Look at that fucking plaster. I been there for two and a half mm. thousand years. Mm. <laughs> he goes,
1: yeah. I'm flat out finding a contractor that I can make last for seven. <laughs> That's right. Hagia Sophia in Istanbul is another classic. Right. You know, the, a, a university, the head of the Vatican at one stage, a, a, a mosque, it's... It's just layer upon layer. Yeah. amazing, beautiful history. Take yeah. me
0: through the, the the journey from you know being in a being an apprentice uh, <laughs> to you know kind of I guess you know striking out on your own. Where was the because you, if you want you can you know you can you can be apprenticing on you know, that route and you can maybe you know start your own small business sure. and then you can sure. live at that scale fairly comfortably. What made you want to get bigger than
1: uh, it was just perpetual motion, but I, I was, uh, as I said, I went with my uncle. He was a carpenter. To this day, probably the the, the best craftsman I've ever seen in my life. Uh, his hands had a magic to him, there's no doubt about it, but... Like a lot of artists, craftsmen, artisans, could manage his bootlaces. Okay, so what happened with me is this, and I have all the, I, the self-confidence uh, you see of me has been with me since I was a kid. As I said, I was the fastest runner and the highest jumper. My dad was a, a golden gloves boxing champion, so I could throw, a, a, you know, straight left hook, whatever you wanted, at you know, seven or eight years old. So. I was a force physically, so I, I went through, right through school and I, and I had this real self-confidence. Um, so my uncle took me on as an apprentice, $46 a week. It was my income at the time, 9 and um I couldn't believe how much money I had accumulated by the end of the year. It was just fascinating, you know. Like when you're that age, what's cool, a push bike and a bag of lollies, you know, that's all you really need. What were you, 15, 16? Uh, 16, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, 15 and a half, 16, yeah. And, um, but came to the end of the year uh, because he was a hopeless businessman. He hardly ever invoiced. We never got, he never got paid. He says to me, listen, I've got a problem, mate. He said, I can't afford to pay your workers' comp. Next year, so we 're going to have to work something out and, and I said, what do you mean? what does that even workers comp mean? What does that mean and uh, he said well i 'm supposed to put a little bit away, but I had to pay the bills and this and that And i said listen i don 't I love numbers why don't I do the the, the, the invoicing part of it the the numbers part of it, and he determined what we do is go 70-30. so whatever we earn because I was a fantastic little carpenter as well I mean I was keen as mustard I could create I could build things this was me at the time you know uh, if I was a, a three at school i was a I was a ten plus at at, at uh, in in the carpentry world very good with my hands and uh but I had this self confidence and this sort of not I always had a little entrepreneurial sort of knack to me. And I guess that comes with that bullshitting your way around things. You know, uh, can you do this? Yes. How will you do it? Don't worry about that. I'll deliver. You know, I'd always come up with an answer. exactly. So by the end of the, uh, my second year as an apprentice, uh, at 70, 30, I was earning incredible money. And my boss uh, had never done so well. His wife uh, said, you know, we're up to date with everything. All the bills are paid. And because I was earning so much money, I was buying lots of tools. As a second-year apprentice, I probably had more tools than the average tradesman. And uh, Coming to my third year now, I was a little uh, westy guy, so I loved cars. I brought a brand-new Holden 1 Tonner, Cash. I mean, no one could do that in That's my area. Yeah, to a, a back at uh, yeah, yeah. No one could do that. Yeah, but I'd saved up thousands of dollars. You know, I was way ahead of my game. And uh, I suggested to my boss, uh, my uncle, who I love dearly, Pat. Now, I said, mate, you know, 70 30 is great, but we're going to go 60 40. I mean, you're killing it. Uh, and and uh, I'm, I've, I own the ute, I own all the tools. And uh, he said, no, nah, no, nah, we'll stick to 70 30. I said, no. Nah. Oh, if that's the case, I'll go out on my own because we were just about to take on an apprentice. And, and, and he was uh, my, at the time, girlfriend's mate from school. I was going out with a high school girl. I was only 17. That's how it was back then. It's and, all right, you're 17. It's yeah, okay
0: yeah. to go out with a 15- or 16-year-old when you're 17.
1: And, and her little mate there wanted an apprenticeship. And I said, yeah, you can come work with us because I, I saw that that was my boss. I was the first apprentice he'd ever had. But I could see that this was really well. I mean, if he was as good as me or even half as good, we were going to make what, plenty of money. So my boss said, nah, nah, stick it. And I said, well, you stick it. I'm out of here. I, 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 all the all the suppliers know me. All the uh, builders that we were working with, we were sort of subcontract carpentry. They all knew me, and they knew that I was the one that made sure they had the insurance. Whereas old Pat, he was amazing but I had to line everything up for him. So what it was, six months I was out on my own and, um, and Jen, my auntie, ran me out and says, Baz, we've got to sort something out. We have, we have an invoice since you left, behind on the mortgage, everything's going wrong. I said, well I've, well, I've been thinking about Heath because I'm not going as good as I thought I would without Pat because he's still my master. He's still the guy who taught me everything I know. I said, what I'm going to do is put him on 1000 bucks a week. And paid him wages. So at the end of my third year I was uh I was running the, the business. Uh and, you were eighteen. Uh eighteen or nineteen. You know, the, the dates are hazy. That's amazing. Uh man. but uh, and I just bought my first block of land and um I said to Pat, you can work uh he was a, that's a lot of money back then yeah. as well. It was a lot of money. But I'd been able to buy a block of land cash. And uh, it was a couple of hours out of Sydney and I, and I said we'll work five days a week and I, I spent two days a week uh, with, uh, with my girlfriend down in my panel van in, uh, in the Southern Highlands building a home that I designed myself, uh, you know, and when I say design myself, it was a copy of the best project homes in the area. Uh, I made a stack of mistakes on that uh, on that project, but I sold it at an incredible profit and learned from every one of those mistakes. So it was sort of just up and up from there. Not long after that, I was, um, I was involved in a project that had an Italian architect who, who saw me as, um, he was really fascinated with my ability as a carpenter and a builder. And I was fascinated with his philosophy on architecture. And he took it upon himself to mentor me for a couple of years after that. And that's where my passion for design and improving things for other than aesthetic reasons as well as aesthetic reasons. And then with that combination of self-confidence, incredible uh, hardworking ethic, uh, and a, a really, I'd say, qualified understanding of the philosophy of architecture... I started uh, and I was building homes that I believed in that were selling at, uh, at, a, at a good profit. There's been three major property booms in my working career, and I've ridden all of them. And uh, so I did very well out of it.
0: Mate, well, it, you were the right guy with the right skills at the right time.
1: Yeah, but at school, they would have told you I was a failure at everything.
0: <laughs> and, that's, and that really says a lot, doesn't mm. it? That, 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 really, says, that it does. really says a lot that... The, and there's plenty of people in, in my life close to me, I kind of I qualify but not as much, where I knew I was smart or I knew these people are smart mm. but not in the smart way that school tested.
1: Mm, that's right. That's right. Very narrow. Listen, I love school and, and my little beautiful children have just, uh, we've just done our first uh, orientation day last week. I was so impressed with, with, the, with the leaps forward. I, I was excited. I cried. It was a great day. Uh, and, and I know that what I'm working on, my, my license, uh, that I'm going to donate, uh, to the world, what I'm going to do with this, uh, it's called co-innovate the charity Oh, it's not a charity. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chat bot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change needing health insurance, United healthcare, tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. the non-for-profit organisation is about collaborative thinking to solve world and community issues. And the first one's a demandable classroom. Love it. Yeah. So uh, I know that I'll have an influence in their life as well.
0: Mate, I love the, uh, the, just the picture of you, like, in the, in the on those before ATMs, we actually had to do a lot of banking on paper. <laughs> yeah. But the idea that you're filling in
1: the deposit slip and not knowing how to spell the word million. Yeah, yeah. And I'd made that million. That's so cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a million and something. I think it was a 1.160 was a place I'd sold and I, and, uh, I was making the deposit. Mm. That,
0: and what, what were your mates doing at the time? Were, they, were, they, were, the, were the blokes envious of you? I mean, you no, so my, successful.
1: My, my, no, 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 success. What a success. I mean, I could have the arse out of my pants or, or, or could be a billionaire. You wouldn't know any difference either way. I mean, finance doesn't affect my life. Uh, no I'm the same bloke I've always been I'd stand up for you in a fight and I'd, 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 I'd uh, help you if you needed a hand it's as simple as that that, that, would, that my life has never changed in that regard I have uh, my dad taught me a, a stack of things but it, if you formulate a couple of rules uh, and or, or beliefs and you stick to them you'll do all right in this life it's when you pretend you're something else you get into trouble Right. And I'm always uh, a guy that'll back an underdog. I've always been a guy that'll back myself and uh and a and a guy that believes in humanity. A humanist. And where did where did that
0: come from? Where did this just my from- dad, a blue-collar
1: yeah. uh hard-working Australian guy who hated everyone and would do something for everyone of them.
0: <laughs> hated everyone but would
1: do something for yeah, everyone. Yeah, you know, it's uh yeah. It's is uh, a classic guy, a real uh, a strong human being.
0: I and you know when you think when you talk about you know being being a humanist, and I would like to one day like I'm trying to approach that as as hard as I can because yeah. I feel like th- as if we as a race of, of of beings on this planet with limited resources and finite you know ability to exploit, if we don't see each other as 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 humans, then mm. we're all in a lot of a lot of trouble. And uh, I, I guess you know, last night I was I was on the internet, and there's this business going on with these refugees in Manus Island at the mm. moment, and it's mm. uh, you know, terrific. It's well, it, yes, mm. it is, mm. and I'm like this. When did when did we get to a point in our society when I write on my Social media, not that I'm in, important in any way, but I, you know, I write like, look, look, here's here's a phone number to call. If this makes you upset, I call this phone number. You can call this phone number and tell them that you're, you're upset too. We're in a democracy. Mm. You go right ahead. And people, write, well, why don't you fucking have them at your house? Why don't you, you know, would you do you want to bring them all here?
1: Mm. When, mm. Did,
0: when did we stop caring?
1: Well, it's part of that hierarchical management. I mean, I, I'm going to sound all political now, but it's all um, right. Um,
0: it's my show. Do whatever
1: you want. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, this is what we've been taught for a long time. Um, is we. we You know, big companies like uh, Google and and eBay and those guys, they've realised that hierarchical management doesn't work Uh, and that collaborative thinking is is one of the reasons, uh, Apple, is why those companies are so successful. Uh, It'll take a couple more decades, but we will realise sooner than later that the only way forward for a society is collaborative thinking. We can't keep being preached to. We're at the end of what I see is the capitalist revolution, and and I'm a capitalist that uh, that is uh, I'm a socialist that has done really well out of capitalism. So, <laughs> but that in itself is is a, is the ideal, and that's balance. We need a balance. We're unbalanced at the moment, and so what I mean by that is we are quite comfortable to see and. Can, can, you know, just recently, the couple of things that have happened with, uh, and I don't even like to say it's terrorism, but the couple of things that have happened around massacres, slaughters, and we see those things. They should affect us so deeply. We, it, it's incredible, but we get that in our face every night now. So uh, when you um, when when we decide that we're going to go and bomb the shit out of a country. Uh, because they're a bit different to us, uh, and they've got a, you know, sure, they've got a resource that we need and we want. When not say we, I mean the, the Western world, not we as you and me personally. The spin doctors can come up with a theory why they don't deserve something and they're bad and, you know, um, they should obey by our idealistic views, even if we don't, and if we, they don't, we'll, we'll set war on them and we'll kill hundreds of thousands of people, we we'll, you know what it's just this massive amount of information that's given to us on tv and in the media every single day and um you know it's horrific i i listen i'm probably rambling there but i i as you know i have my my yacht in the mediterranean and uh it's i was back in turkey only a couple of months ago and this, it's not on the, on the top layer, but a layer or two under society over there, this, there's a still a lot of people suffering from the simple fact that tens of thousands of people have drowned in the Mediterranean in the last couple of uh, years through the exodus of Syria and, and places like that. Now, we tonight on a current affair or the project or one of the, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some mechanic who's ripping someone off that has no fucking nothing to do with anything, but tens of thousands, hundreds of little children. I've seen the the sites where there's a placard that, you know, 60 women and children drowned on this beach. I've seen photos. There's there's art exhibitions of of photos of dead people. I mean god if we're able to compute that sort of information and 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 go forward without doing something uh, as a society we've degenerated to a to a space
0: yeah when you look at the world then that you you know you're a dad who's come to being a dad with more knowledge of the world than many dads have because you mm. were a dad older in your life. Yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, I only started taking on the role of dad three years ago at yeah. the age of
1: forty. Yeah, it's uh, amazing.
0: It is. Yeah. It's full on, and yeah. then suddenly, you know, I'm I'm a new dad uh, yeah. with you know three years experience, but she's thirteen, mm. uh, so I'm making a lot of mistakes. You and jumped it's into diff- a
1: tough spot as
0: well. <laughs> That's mate. I'm not, you know, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um. But when you look at the the world. Yeah. That exists and when you look 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the future for your kids, mm. do you feel a, a, a
1: need to insulate them? Do you feel a need no, to fortify them? No, no. Uh, I need to get, uh, you know, it's like what we talked about when we first started school, you know, I'm not, I'm really impressed with the beautiful little school that my children are going to go to but the school is the family. And and an extension of family is your community, an extension of community is your country and and the universe. My children, uh, I'm going to do my best to instill in them uh, work ethic, honesty, integrity, uh, and a a self-belief. You know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, we'll just go down that path and introduce them to the things... Uh, that they seem, well, that that I'm drawn to first, I guess, and then what they're drawn to, expose them to as much as they can and and give them the the belief that they can take on anything they want to take on.
0: You you seem to do, like, whether it be through this non-for-profit or through other stuff like that, you, you seem like that helping people is definitely a part of your day.
1: Definitely, definitely. I love it. I, uh, when, I retired at, um, when i retired it um when i retired was interesting i didn't retire like set out oh this is cash in a superannuation i'm not sure if you know but i i got quite manically depressed um at the at the end of uh, the middle of 2000s and i i demanded a fair i'd gone past my fiscal goals uh that i'd set for 60 i'd already gone past those and that again it wasn't because I was a genius. We're in the middle of a massive property and stock market boom of which I'd accumulated quite a bit. So I just cashed it in. I could see really clearly that there was going to be a crash. I'd seen two before. I could see this one coming as well. The crash 2007, 2008 was coming. I cashed out maybe a year too early, but still did really well. But I was manically depressed and searching for something to make me happy. Uh, with depression, it isn't something that you realise you're going into. You don't you don't see a door and walk through it. It takes years to 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 morph to that. There was there was many things that contributed to that. Uh, so I so I retired and um, coming out of the depression, I I wanted to help people. Uh, and as a punter, as a as a regular guy, there's not a lot you can do. Or I couldn't reach the heights I had imagined. I knew I had incredible skills, uh, but as one man, that's it's very difficult. I cut. I cut a bunch of checks and and really achieved very little with those things, okay? When I was given the gift, uh, reluctantly took the gift of celebrity, let's call it, I realised that this opened thousands of doors, not hundreds, thousands of doors to any corporation in the country Uh, and I can literally have two phone calls from anyone in this country and with that, uh, and I love collaboration, with that I see myself Putting people together to do good things, I and mean, since I've been on TV, I I I know that that platform has given me the ability to help lots of people. And uh, my most recent um, um sorry mate, yeah, my but- most recent journey with a uh, recurrence of my cancer again. Uh, it's not taking money, but we, uh, we announced uh, the return of my cancer on TV a couple of weeks ago, and already I can see the good it has done in our society. Um, just this morning, with, uh, I was walking on the beach, and a guy came up to me. He knew who I was. I don't know who he is, but he knows who I am, and he has a relationship with me because his wife's in a hospital with cancer, and he feels that I gave him strength. You know, that's an incredible reward for... Um, for sharing and caring, yeah. it's an incredible reward. You know it. You you do a lot uh, for charities yourself. You taught You you expose yeah. yourself around things that have happened to you. This empowers people. That's a gift. And uh, and I've I've you know part of my fiscal success will be exploiting the gifts I've had. And this is is one of the gifts I have through what we see as celebrity.
0: But still, you know it's you know when when I heard. Uh, I, I was um, away working when that show aired, mm. um, when you announced it on Living Room. But I—it's strange, Baz. I saw it. I saw it on Gogglebox. Yeah, that's where I saw it. And so not only did I see you mm. breaking the news to mm. your 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 team, your close collaborators, your friends, mm. but I also saw the reactions of these yeah.
1: these people. It was beautiful. I thought. Um, I thought they were beautiful. I. I, I um I wrote a letter to those guys, actually. It's sort of personal, but I, I, I won't say the whole letter, but, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, Osh, but the, this medium that we're in, TV, it's incredibly public. I mean, everything about our lives is public. Mm. But isn't it funny when someone in a lounge room somewhere in the world turns on their TV and accepts us in there, all of a sudden it's really, really personal. And when those people reacted the way they did uh let me tell you i watched it on tv and 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 i watched it it wasn't personal to me because it had already happened to me but when i watched them watch it and and express real human feelings and love for someone they've never met fuck me mate it was really powerful and um it was really beautiful and it was incredibly uh, personal uh, and, and it did a, it meant a lot to me. So what that did was ensure uh, or, or reinforce to me that what I did that night and Amanda and Chris and Miguel did as a team has done the same for lots of people. And the evidence of that is really clear with the, the amount of support and and, um, and contact I've had from people.
0: Well, it's look, when you disclosed, mm. oh, right, but then you went into detail, mm. I was like, that's – you know, uh, myeloma and multiple myeloma. Mm. We've, we've
1: known each other for for a little bit through work and mm. then when I saw you talking about that, I was like, shit, man. And you say, I'm not on my own in this fight. Now, yeah. or, 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 or there was a sense of relief that, okay, I can, you know, you can talk to me about that mm. if, if you want. And, yeah, I, I think collaboration, sharing, humans are meant to touch each other and humans are meant to communicate with each other. Mm. And and uh, that's what I did.
0: <laughs> there are uh, The oncology nurses are res- Special group of people,
1: incredible, aren't Incredible, incredible human beings. I mean, just absolutely beautiful. I've always said nurses are tireless, beautiful humans, um at, uh, and I want to say, though, uh, the Monday I went into chemo. Uh, the, the, the Monday I do chemo a couple of days a week at the moment. But on the Monday morning, that oncology room, it's a pretty sombre little place. doesn't matter where you are. You could be in Dubbo Hospital or St. Vincent's Hospital. That room is a pretty sombre place. Yeah, there's a
0: big comfy armchair,
1: but still yeah, sure. you're <laughs> getting <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of needles. I'm, take- I'm taking drugs that even the nurses can't touch. Touch, yeah, and they're putting <laughs> a hazmat gear on to, yeah, to come near you. Uh, but that room, that Monday morning, morning we may as well have been rock stars it was great all the nurses were so uh, happy everybody in the room was sort of high-fiving and cuddling each other and saying you know we're gonna do this and i got uh, i got stacks out of that and yeah. uh, and they got stacks out of that which is which is really important but those you're right the nurses the doctors the they're tireless people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, special humans. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will say this. Um, I, I'm a funny character. I'm, I'm incredibly self-confident. And um, as much as my scans look like I've been shot with a, a, um, a shotgun there's over 100 tumours in me, 28 pretty major ones uh, through my middle, but I don't believe I'm going anywhere either. Uh, I, I, um, it's harder for me to tell people than you know uh, it, it's hard it's like i said when i watched the show and i re- revealed i didn't cry when i watched the gogglebox I, I i i wailed really hard uh because it was it was real for a sec you know but um no no i, I um i uh i live in the third person with this with this uh, mutation of cells being cancer uh it's that Baz, not this Baz, and 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 both of us here to do our best to 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 be here as long as uh, possible.
0: So you you found a way to uh, observe. Is that sort uh, you're uh,
1: yeah, I Yeah, I, there's a lot of data out there. When I when I got the news again this time round, I was I was so angry. I was I'm, I'm I was really pissed off um, at myself. At the world, at everything, and because six years ago when I got it, we didn't have children, and um, and uh, I, you know, I would have said to you, "I've had the best life anyone could ever have. Uh, if this is my day, it's my day." But when you have five-year-old children, uh, yeah, no, I'm not ready to go yet. <laughs> and um, so, so I, uh, I, I can't believe I am going to go. Uh, I can't. I refuse to. Uh, in fact, it, it's, it's funny to say that because everybody would be saying now, of course. But no, it's not even in the room. It's not. It's not in my head. It's not in the room. It's not in my world. But uh, what, uh, what I was talking about, what I was going to say, is about I'm, I've been taught. I'm being taught and and studying now, mindful meditation, which I find incredible. If anybody is listening to this, if it's more than just you and me. Honestly, look into it. It's changed the way I feel about uh, uh, a lot of things. But what it really does is helps your personal immune system. And to fight anything, being the worst thing you can get to the least worst thing you can get, it's your immune system is the only thing that does the fight. Things like chemo and antibiotics, what they do is come in and kill everything in you, the good and the bad, but it's your immune system. Uh, And when I say your immune system, it's your gut health, it's your mind health, it's your physical health, it's your your aerobic health. It's all those things make up for your, your nervous system health. All those things make up for a good immune system. And can I explain this like this? A cancerous cell that creates a tumor is just one of your cells that's mutated into its opposite. Now, I know that sounds standard, but a lot of people think of cancer as this thing that's drifted into our body. It's not. It's, it's a cell in our body that's mutated into the opposite. And because it's made up of the same DNA as you, as you your body, your immune doesn't recognize it as bad. So it's allowed to thrive and, and multiply in there with no one hunting it. A strong immune system will hypersensitize multiple uh, um, cells that are multiplying quickly, and it will recognize okay they 're a bit different let 's kill them you know what i mean it's and it 's an immune it 's a strong immune system that does that for you so um the mindful meditation that I'm doing has, I believe in my, my brain, my mental side, it's really strengthening my immune. Uh, it, my gut health is, is really good. My physical health is as good as it can be. Uh, and, but, but, but my mental health is really, really good just by simply focusing on breath, balancing my, my life my my inner self with breath and then i do lots of different methods uh, i can i can walk and meditate i can sit and scan my body um i really advise people to look into it it's sort of more like a buddhist sort of thing um it's it's fascinating
0: mate that's the thing that that saved me yeah was that i had that i knew meditation that i that i had learned yeah the observance of mm. thoughts like like I'm not angry. Mm. No, I'm just feeling anger. Yeah. And the moment I recognise that I'm feeling anger, oh, I'm now separate from that anger. That yeah. anger is angry at, I don't know, bad television show or yeah. burnt
1: dinner or whatever. Yeah. They're just layers you don't really mean. Yes,
0: exactly. But now I'm separate from it. Yeah. And when uh, the psychosis was kicking in, when yeah. I was really f- for losing my mind and mm. I mean that 100%, mm. it was in meditation that I was like, all oh, right, every single thought I'm having is being put through this armageddon filter that's right oh wow okay that's no good but if i hadn't had that ability i would have been stuck inside that that sick um and 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 distorted view of reality and i would have believed it all Mm, mm. and that was the thing that saved me yeah that was absolutely the thing that saved me
1: yeah and the beautiful thing you said there is sick as well i mean it's an illness yeah and 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 a part uh, an offshoot of the illness is a distorted view you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, that's why another charity that I'm involved with and very passionate about is Are You OK Day? Uh, listen to me, I sound like I'm trying to plug all my charities Mate. here. No, but it is. It's it's just that Sim, Gavin Larkin, one incredible human being, just realized after after the you know, his dad taking his life that um, a, a simple conversation could have saved him. And, mm. and, you know, you look at this, you and me talking, I mean, uh, about your situation, my situation. That's making it easier on our immune system. Just us talking is making it easier. It's fascinating. Because, I mean, because that, that's the thing. There was a time
0: when uh, people didn't even want to mention a cancer diagnosis. No way. No
1: way. Yeah, that's it, right. You know,
0: when... Uh but you look at that, was it To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm. It was, I just want you to go across the road and read to Mrs. Blah Blah. Mm, I can't remember, right. you know? And yeah, he, yeah. He, he made a, his daughter go and read to the lady across the street. He never, ever said that she has cancer. But no. it was like a little girl coming across the street to read to the old lady who was, you know, on the morphine mm. was something that, but they, they bare, dare mention mm. that mm. she have this thing. Yeah. And um, but even even my mum, you know, even even a you know a fully trained doctor would go, I think it's the C. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not the
1: one I'm thinking yeah, of. But to, to your, your mum's defence, she was probably trying to make it easier for you. Yeah. And that's, that's how I find it as well. But, um, I, I hate saying cancer. I hate saying the word because it's, it's, it's not, you know, I just hate it. But, uh, so I just try and say, no, uh, I've got these cells that are doing the wrong thing and mm. my body hasn't worked out, it has to kill them. But sooner or later and, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to help my body work out, it's got to kill them. At, uh, but like like your mum, in the next um, next month, I I start my I will finish my fourth um, cycle of chemo. And then I'm going to do the stem cell retrieval, and then mm. it, like we'll spin that round, keep those, and then next early next year. Now it's been pushed out because the the, the strength of chemo I've, I've been having has knocked me around a few times, yeah. And just my platelets get too low, so I've had to delay it a couple of times. I'm incredibly lucky that our network has just supported me every second of the way. So it looks like I'll do the bone marrow transplant in um, uh, late Jan, early Feb now mm. so, as well. So do yeah, bone. and that
0: you know when you. 'Cause I watched, I was there with my old go up to Bris I was a time I was flying I was going to Brisbane every day. Yeah. You know, coming down here, doing work and then flying back to, mm. to batch. Um the just the just the research and technology Incredible. you know mm. that Exists in this space. Yeah, it's is space. It's it, it's a, but also,
1: what, what I'm loving is the wellness side of it. I mean, the 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 the, the medical fraternity, so uh, so to speak. Uh, what I'm fascinated about. My mum passed away in 2004 from cancer. My wife got cancer in 2005. I got it again in 2010, and now I've got it now. The change in the treatment is incredible. Yeah. You know, this is, there's no data to prove this is right, so I don't want anybody saying this is a new fad or anything, but I'm on an exercise bike uh, an hour before the chemo to get my heart rate right up to 160 uh, for about 20 minutes, and then a couple of hours after the chemo I'm back on the exercise bike again because there's, there's a lot of talk about the fact that just getting it in to as uh, you know your your circulation is what carries this deadly drug through your body so you want it to get to all the extremities uh where these where this bad cells are because chemo will kill everything so if Mm. it's only in the area where the good cells are it's just going to kill good cells yeah (laughs) yeah but so i want it to get right right through i do a lot of oxygen therapy as well i do a lot of uh, uh heat therapy those three things there's no proven data there's a lot of talk about it but what there is proven data on, on particularly uh, uh post uh, the chemo is the mindful meditation there, yeah. there's definitely data that that helps you get to a place where your immune can fight the good fight into the future and that's what's going to give us well of effort. course
0: because because you know it's and i've done it you know when you if you are depressed sure depresses your body doesn't That's recognize wrong. it, and then you start getting sick. I get cold sores, my yeah. psoriasis, yep. my whole body yep. turns against me. Yep. Nothing is wrong with me except the way I'm thinking. Mm. And mm. so you're absolutely on point, like mm. keeping
1: your brain healthy and keeping yeah. your thoughts healthy. <laughs> little tip I share with a lot of people that uh, – that um, a lot of people generally. It helped me a lot, Osh, I don't know if this, this scenario works for you. As a young alpha male – uh, young um, man, I uh, I wanted to control the world uh, and I did my best to help everybody I could. This is what we said earlier. I mean, I loved helping people. That's what I love to do. But what happens there is I describe it like this. I got myself, and I think this is – I'm only thinking about this in hindsight now, but I, I think about how I got to that space of that, that black dog, that depressed state. How did I get there? And and I always say that, that work saved me because that was always my constant. But I think back now, I was doing thousands of things. And, and how I described it is I was trying to spin dozens of plates. I was like the guy in the circus, the clown in the circus, mm. trying to spin all those plates. And one plate was work, one plate was family. And quite frankly, it was only a tiny plate was family. I, I didn't put anywhere near enough effort into that. Uh, another work was, he- uh, my, you know, my health and wellbeing plate was tiny, but it was way away and it got a little spin every now and then. And sure enough, uh, the, I, I described this this depression was the plate starting to crash. So I lost, you know, I got up to 118 kilos. You know, I was really heavy and... uh and that was because my diet plate was really poor. It was Mars bars and Coca-Cola, you know what I mean? Uh, Now, what I realise, and I think this is an important message for people, I've got one really important plate. On that is an important sliver of everything that was on all those plates. You can't manage everything, but manage the things that that you have to uh, that that means something to you really well. Now I just keep that one big beautiful plate ticking along, and it's a nice combination of my beautiful family, my physical well-being, my mental well-being, my my work, my future, my fiscal future. All those things they have a, a, a piece of the pie on the plate, but I'm only spinning one plate. Yeah. You'd be surprised that.
0: This analogy has come to me that's the third time oh you know, really in a week well I've
1: shared that, at, 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 that not not view. plates but yes. you know
0: as far as you know
1: keeping you know being spread too thin being da-da-da-da-da. spread too thin uh, imbalance all that stuff like that- when we talk about design great design is all about balance great life is all about balance so oh, <laughs> dropping bombs Dro- bomb <laughs> Should I promote another charity? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so good.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Barry, that's so good. Do you think about, I don't know, is it okay to ask you, and you know, it's okay if you don't want to answer this, but how do you, how do you talk to your kids about what's going on?
1: No, I, um, I don't. Uh, they're five years old, um, as I said when this first came about, for a couple of reasons, uh, but I couldn't sleep. A uh, is that I was really, really stressed. Uh, I hadn't told work yet. I'd told Amanda, but I hadn't told anybody else. And, uh, and I was worried I could lose my job. I was worried about lots of things. And um, I also then was having chemo and steroids, which means very hard to sleep as well. So I was laying in bed and, um, and uh, I thought too much about, you know, I can't leave the children, I I, I can't, um, I can't uh, go now, it's not, it's not right. So how do I explain, how do you explain to a five-year-old who thinks, you know, Peppa Pig's a real person, that, you know, Daddy's going through something really bad. Why does a five-year-old have to know that? Daddy's not going through something really bad. Daddy's actually exercising every day. Daddy meditates every day. Daddy cuddles me every day. Daddy eats great food every day. And the result of that will be the longevity of my life, whether it's a year or 20. And uh, let's cross that bridge uh, when we come to it. There's nothing bad in my life, nothing. So what would I tell my kids? Do you know what I mean? I'm the, you know, if my brother had this disease, uh, that would be bad because, you know, I'm the uh, you know that would be bad, but I'm doing everything humanly possible, and I'm willing to take on even more for the best life I can have. And you know, with meditation, that life is today, and tomorrow will be better. It's as simple as that. Oh man!
0: Just the I'm just so grateful that you you're here today, mate. Thank you. I'm just grateful that you're able to. You know, facing what you're facing, you know, not, you've, you've achieved so much in your life and you have a you know, beautiful family, you know, success in anyone's book looks like what you've got. <laughs> and you're
1: sitting here with the diagnosis you've got telling me there's nothing bad in my life. No, but I wouldn't change one scary of it. You know, we had 13 miscarriages uh, through IVF. And then we sat on an adoption list in China for four years. Then we had seven, um, wait, let me say this, then we had six attempts at surrogacy in India. And then I got cancer. And we determined that I had to have chemotherapy, so we had to freeze some sperm, which meant looking at some per- sperm really close up and realised that 95% of my fucking sperm was defragmented. So then we knew that I could pick out Some of the five percent, and they're perfect, and they made my children. (laughs) What part of that's bad? Have you seen my children? They're gorgeous. They're perfect. Yeah, my life is perfect. Yeah, and 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 I'm sitting with you. I'm on. You know, everything about my life is amazing, and 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 the 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 dividends of that, my children will, will will live with.
0: People will probably listen to this going,
1: how can I help you, Barry? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't need anything. That's the beautiful thing. But I will say this, a couple of things that I, I want to get out there is that there are a lot of people that uh, need help, and that help m- might not be fiscal, money, but I, I talk to a lot of people in the, uh, while we're sitting there having our chemo, particularly a couple of older gentlemen. Um, it's not funny. They're the same age as me. I think they're old gentlemen. <laughs> but they're doing round trips from places like Lithgow and uh, lower uh, near the other side of the Blue Mountains. And these are $400 round trips. Yeah. And they're biting into their mortgages to, to, to fit the bill. And the wife can't work because she's got to take him to to uh, therapy twice a week. And, um, and we've had this discussion, so I'm going to share it with you, um, a lot of people have said to me, oh, you don't want to talk about that now. Uh, something is different now. Nothing is different. You know, people have said to me, oh, I don't want to tell you my problems now. You've got problems of your own now. No, I'm still Baz. I'm here to help everyone, okay? So don't think that I'm a different person because, uh, because I've said, told you I'm sick. Same as these people that live at Lithgow. If you would have taken your mate down the pub, ask him if he wants a lift to Sydney for the, for the, for the chemo. That way his wife can have one day at work. You know what I mean? I just think people seem to be scared of it and not know what to say simple fact is we've got to get on with life so it, where you can help out there i don't think the government does enough for people in regional australia with cancer or with any illness quite frankly and and i don't think i don't think the government does enough for anybody in regional australia with anything quite frankly i mean from everything to everything but as humans we can reach out as as we say you can ask are you okay and then and then but 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 Listen and, and acknowledge if they say yes or no that you've heard that, but let them know that you, you'll back it up with, with something. You can't, you know, I've had lots of people saying, oh, I've told that story about the guy from Lithgow and I've heard people say, oh, well, I'll pay that $400. A week. That's not what he needs. He needs to believe he's still a man and still runs the show or, or a woman and still, you know, in self-control, but, but needs to know that he can tell you something if he needs to. Yeah, and that could lead to a lift down and that could lead to a conversation and, you know, that'll ins- that'll, that'll, that'll lift you. Yeah. So connecting. Connecting, engaging in conversation, not be scared to talk, you know. Uh, even, as you said, your mum, oh, I think it's the C. You know, I've got a disease which has mutated the cells in my body to the opposite of what they're meant to be. Now I'm going to do my best to teach my immune system to fuck them off, okay? <laughs> in the meantime... I'm still a likeable design guy in the living room. I'll still help you mow the lawn if you need it. it you know, I'll, I'll still give you a lift uh, down the road, and if you want to have a surf, I'll still go for a surf with you. You see what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's just one other thing, and... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking in riddles there, but I just want people to know that you haven't changed. You're still the same human you've been your whole life. Yeah. And if that's a caring, if that's a cranky guy, well, you're probably still cranky. If, you, <laughs> if, if you're that woman who helps at the P, PNC and at the tuck shop, you still want to be that person. You don't want to be denied that. You don't want to be denied those beautiful little human idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Mate, I'm so grateful you came over today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. It's a beautiful Thank spot. You.
0: Thanks, Baz. I'm going to take your photo Ah. and then ask uh, two questions about my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Very good.
1: Design challenge. That was
0: Barry Dubois. You can find him on Instagram at B-A-Z underscore D-U-B-O-I-S. I can't thank Barry enough for coming around. I can't thank him enough for being so open, so honest, so raw with me and then you. But he's right. It is in sharing our stories that we can help others. And I really hope whatever, I mean, it really helped me listening to him talk about what he's going through, certainly after what my mum went through. It was great to talk to him. And I I certainly hope that after listening to that, you're slightly more wealthy in your heart, knowing that people like Barry exist. So thank you, Barry. Thank you so much for coming on. A big thank you to Van Vanspania, my production coordinator, uh, Kirsty from Network 10, who, the publicist who helped us organise that, Andy Ma, my producer, Toe Hyder, who did all the music this week, and you for listening, because without you, there is no show. If you like the show, please do me a kindness and let someone else know about it this week. Maybe send out a tweet or put it on Facebook or something. The the more people that know about the show, the more people that listen, the better guests I can get, the better shows I can make for you. So you win. (laughs) Until we talk next time, look after yourself and sleep well and dream of beautiful things.